when people get that they hit a button with the community and the vibe that they get, the feedback they get when somebody's writing back and not just some people, not just 20 comments, but people are ending up in an argument over which car was better in the 70s. I mean, it's just fantastic. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us. This is where we talk about growing our life story business. We help clients record their life story in books, audios, and videos so that they can pass down their memories and reflections to their family and future generations. And today, I'd like to welcome Rebecca Wilson onto the show. Rebecca is Australia's number one baby boomer influencer. She's a marketer, a writer, and an entrepreneur who in 2013 founded a company called Starts at 60. It started as a small blog. And since then, it has grown into a really big media platform with, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's something like a gazillion visitors each month. Um, I'm going to let Rebecca tell you more about what they do. But what attracted me to Starts at 60 was the passion that they bring to serving the 60-year-old and plus community. So Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Amy. Well, I think that I found you a few years ago, right after my mom died, and I was concerned about my dad because he was, for the first time, living alone. And um, I just wanted him to have a, a group of people that he could see on a regular basis. And I was trying to tell him to go down to the local sandwich shop where, you know, older folks would gather over a pastry and a cup of coffee. And and I was Googling around and I found your um, the Starts at 60 coffee groups, which are these really regular meetings. And I I was, you know, I was in a very emotional place because I had just lost my mom. Um, But it just really, it, I thought it was a beautiful thing and something that is obviously so needed. And I know it's just a tiny fragment of what you do. um, But that's really what drew me to, to want to talk to you and to um, just, I, I, I like the passion that you're showing for serving this community. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about what Starts at 60 does and where it started from and, and what it's grown to today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I started Starts at 60 when I watched my parents. They were coming through the age of 60 and I was um, I was running a marketing business and advising companies on um, where the next trends would be and people were saying, you know, the 10 big trends of the world would be oil and gas and the baby boomer and all of these things. And I was sort of sitting back going, well, nobody's really talking to my mum and dad. Um, media is mm-hmm. talking Kim Kardashian. People oh. are um, ignoring this generation and they're changing. Like the, the 75-year-old or 80-year-old today is a very different person to the 60-year-old and people don't notice because the people representing them in advertising and media are largely under 40. Um, so they don't really see this generation. It's almost invisible to them. Um, and for years it, it was one that that society and media saw as having bolted onto existing brands. So sort of sitting there in my little world watching my parents and, and sort of thinking, wow, you're going through this really interesting phase, not dissimilar to one I went through when I had kids and I was removed from the workforce and I was trying to find my identity and work out what life meant all over again but there's nowhere where you can see other people like you. 
going through similar things to you where you can reflect upon the realities of life and the opportunities of life in a safe environment you know is trustworthy. There's lots of mummy blogs out there. There's lots of business blogs out there for people going through business challenges, but there's just nowhere for people who are old but not old, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, I like that. Um, yes, that makes sense. They're not old in their in their minds. And and to be honest, 60 isn't old anymore. It's a rediscovery age. And yet we're only just discovering it's a rediscovery age. So that seems to be new information for everybody. Um, and then they're having things like losing a partner and different life stage activities happening where there is just no information because there's no marketing in these demographic areas of life. So I started, starts at 60 as this little $40 template um, and a hypothesis as my night job. Um and I found, uh, you know, I built a community, a little tiny community with a little bit of sort of asking people if they wanted to join and if they wanted to write for the community as bloggers. Um, that turned into, um, I guess, a, a fairly steady and, and voracious growth path sort of a few years ago where the community grew in Australia and New Zealand um, to about 1.5 million people a month. Um, but more than that, the, the shape of what we did for the community started to change. We started to understand the community just by listening to them of what different people wanted from media and from each other. Um, bloggers became a big part of our voice and we have 60-year-old bloggers that contribute stories to us um, on a whole lot of different topics. So we have about 550 60-year-old bloggers or 60-plus bloggers that contribute to the platform um, but we also started to realise that even their news needs weren't being served because nobody really in the mainstream world saw their pop stars and their um, their way of living life as the same way as the younger generation. Even though we're not very far apart, a 60-year-old can be best friends with a 27-year-old today and barely notice the difference in age or mindset. It's still a fundamentally different era for music or a different era for lifestyle choices that you make um so we started to see that social isolation that creeps in when you have children as well and try to find ways to build networks among people um but the community needed to be able to power that because we are a um i guess a scale up business where we have to build a business around what we do as well so we started to invite community volunteers to participate in that side of it and they built out a, a meetup um series on the first tuesday of every month um, all around the country, we now have about 100 meetups a month um, with about anywhere between 20 and 50 people at each meetup uh, in coffee shops all around the country that just allow them to have a, a platform of their own to grow off. Yeah, so it's, it's a very exciting way of doing it. And I love that. I love the fact that you're meeting this this need for real face-to-face -face interaction with people, but you're also meeting that digital need, right? And and just like you said, I mean, all all marketing that we notice is geared towards the millennials or, you know, or, or maybe a little bit older. Um, and I always think to myself, well, those are not the people with money for one thing, right? Um, you know, they've got the student dead and they're, they're trying to just get up on their feet. Um, and yet we know that the baby boomer generation, um, I, I, I've heard you talk a little bit about the numbers in Australia, which would be fun to hear too. I'm sure that they're not exactly the same in the US, but they're there is some considerable wealth in that generation here, and it it astounds that marketers are not 
looking to them as a real viable um a viable segment to market to and to, to build products and services that are going to meet their specific needs, which is exactly what you're doing. It is. We, we have really over the years developed a mission that is to serve the needs and the wants of the baby boomer digital first, knowing that they don't want to do everything online. They want this hybrid of online offline world. Um, but that they want to research online. They want information online. They want help in the dark when they need help and support but they also want to be able to trust the supplier know the people understand the purchasing and talk to somebody so we've got that that going on that as a a sense of purpose has really led us to curating our first set of solutions for the generation in travel where we know that it is something that they just want more and more value in people want to travel more it's a fascinating demographic though we it is very – I've just been over to the US. Um, we pitched as the Australian representative in the Startup World Cup um, finals over in the US. And in pitching the US market, the piece to note is very, very similar in some ways. Um, 80% of financial assets and 53% of consumer spending in Australia. Um, it's not dissimilar in America at all, sit in the baby boomer market or the over 55. Um, the challenge that the US has – is, um, well, you've got the AARP over there, right, the the platform for older people, but it has built a brand around the bottom end of the market. It has built a position around, um, around you know, heavy, heavy discounting and the super challenge. And this generation is shifting. It's changing. Not everybody is affluent. There is an awful lot of poverty here as well. Um, but that poverty is in the bottom 30 percentile. And it used to be the bottom 50 or 60 percentile, and that shift has been this generation. Um, that, that's the piece we'll look back on in the future as an economic change that occurred over the last 10 to 15 years with housing booms and economic shifts that are fundamental to the Western world. Um, but we won't be able to see them until they're in the rearview mirror. That's how economics works. How have you created a message where you are building that trust and you are able to reach the people who aren't looking for the deep, steep discounts, um, but they really want to have, like you said, you're serving, you're serving them not just what they need, but what they want. Yeah. It's funny, Rebecca, because I hear from a lot of, you know, especially financial advisors who say, oh, well, the older generation, especially the, you know, the wealthy older generation are so um, suspicious and you can't get their ear. And I find actually the opposite. I find that the older generation is probably more trusting, um, and maybe that's just a byproduct of the type of work that I do. You know, I they're they're telling me their stories, but they seem to be very much trusting, and they don't have some of the guards up that some of the people yeah. my age. You know, look, have. I think we're, we're fortunate that we come from a place of great trust with our community. So when you have fifty percent of the social media using you user in Australia every month using your platform you already start with trust. Um, but on the flip side of that, I, I totally agree with you. We spend a lot of our time in our media platform educating on scams. We want our community to be aware of what to look out for. But we also, I mean, the trust for us is the most important thing we have. So we do nothing to compromise that. Our privacy, our um, alignment of brand, our, who we work with as advertisers. We work with the best companies in Australia, the biggest financial institutions, the biggest. So our reputational alignment is very, very important. Um, you, you know, you work 
with the people that you want to be seen beside and you do the, the behaviour that you want the consumer to remember you for um, and that that's what we do because mm-hmm. people telling people is actually the best way to market, not us telling people that we're good. Um, you only should have to advertise in the first phase of your growth of a business, in my opinion. After that, word of mouth should do the work. Um, and if we do something for this generation that offers them value, and for us it's not always cheapness, it's value, um, because there's a whole lot of people in the middle income category here who don't want the cheapest solution, they want the best solution. And as you mm. get older, you watch your parents and you, you see they don't buy the cheapest thing anymore. They go, well, I'm comparing the value for money. Um, so for us it's more about getting them really good deals on stuff they actually want really good promises of because the baby boomer has a different set of needs as well remembering they don't have to travel on school holidays they don't have to travel in peak periods which is when prices are high and if we can do our job as aggregating the needs of a large group of people and then going to the operators and saying so if you want these people to buy your product let's give them a really good value deal together and when there's 100 200 300 people that might buy that deal through our platform the operators want to reach those people as well. Um, and it allows right. us the, I guess it's affinity that we're working with um, of a similar type of person wanting a similar type of thing. Um, we're effectively bundling together the needs of the baby boomer and saying to different companies, so would you like to talk to these people? Um, because they would like a good value deal. Help us bring them one. Um, help us bring them a product that they really want um, in a more convenient way. Help us bring them a better product that they can't get at the moment because they they perhaps don't have a relationship with your youth platform that in which you're offering that product to the market and they don't feel affinity with that. Um, and it, it just becomes about curation and thinking about the audience and the community first um, and then doing a deal. I mean, we're structuring a travel insurance product at the moment. We know the needs of older generations in travel insurance are very limited. You know, people don't think about their needs. They think about the younger generation who, oops, I left my laptop and my computer and everything on the beach and walked away <laughs> from it and I need to claim a new one. Well, that's what those policies are structured for. They're not structured for the other end of the issues and therefore have different needs for their insurance policies um, and things like that. Before you started with the travel at 60, um, because that sounds like that's that's a major focus now, it was... Yeah. You built the start at 60, starts at 60, uh, with a lot of news stories, um, not only not only curated news stories and stories that you all write, because yeah. you have a staff of writers, it sounds like, but you also give people the voice. Like you said, there are bloggers that can be publishing their articles on your site. And I think that's a wonderful thing because- uh, Absolutely. We love it. (laughs) Right, right. You're giving people a voice. You're giving them presence online, which is, you know, face it, there's there's a lot of- I wouldn't say discrimination, but there's a lot, it probably feels like closed doors to people getting online, especially if they're of a certain age. Um, and you've basically just thrown those doors wide open and said, hey, come in and your voices can be heard here. Look, 10% of what goes out on our platform is trafficking at um, by people who have contributed that content. 
So we have, um, I guess, a closed group of bloggers that other people can join, people can ask to join. We're constantly inviting people to join that. They submit their stories every week and then we have an editor that polishes them and does some beautiful work on them to make sure that when they go to publishing that they represent the person well, that there's all the typos and the you know the little bits that we all do um, is, is then contributed beautifully and then they're proud to share that as well which is really nice the stories are mammothly heartfelt i mean the the people and that there's a big part of what we do we starts at 60 has grown out of the grassroots of the community mm. and that's something we are very blessed about my longest standing bloggers um i can i can tell you about people like jackie and brian who have been with us since the very beginning who are in their their 70s and brian's nearly 80 now and you know we're six years old as a business but they joined and brian would write the odd nostalgia post about about cars and the odd opinion piece about being a a two a 10 pound pom moving to australia in the 60s and it would go viral Mm. and he would get such a kick out of it it would go absolutely viral with hundreds and thousands of comments on facebook you know we're one of the most commented brands in australia by ratio of users to comments on facebook so when people get that they hit a button with the community and the vibe that they get, the feedback they get when somebody's writing back and not just some people, not just 20 comments, but people are ending up in an argument (laughs) over which car was better in the 70s. I mean, it's just fantastic to watch the vibe lift up and this is what we do it this is this is what got me in it sucked me and I used to do it at night I'd come home from work every day I'd go I've got to write another article I've got to edit the blogs that have come in during the day and polish them and put them up and then I've got to watch I've just got to sit here and watch and reply to people because they're coming for each other they're not coming for me they are really coming for each other they're coming for the sense of community the sense of somebody like them and people like me and the sense of normalization that you need out of the internet right when you're when you're at any phase of life you're constantly looking around for people like you and you're going i fit in here i don't fit in here and the minute you don't feel like you fit in you get really upset if you previously fit in there right and if you, you know, when, when you have kids, all of a sudden you don't fit in the workplace anymore and you go, wow, my people, where are my people? I don't know what people look like me anymore. Then your kids get to school age and all of a sudden you find people that look like you because your kids are all at school together. And then you get busy and you're all working again and you find people in your workplace again. And life just changes. But what happens when you head towards retirement and the people you were working with stay in the workplace when you go? Where is that next social connection built? And this is where we hope people can build it. This environment is a is a classic way for people to really feel out how to feel normal. Um, that hopping in a caravan or even desiring to hop in a caravan might be a normal thing. And where do you get the advice on where to do it from other people um, who are doing it? Where do you hunt out people with a, a similar type of mindset to you? That's such a good observation. When I help somebody produce a book and they'll maybe have a party, like a book lunch party, and they might, this last one that I had, there were probably 75 people who came to it. And the author who is in his upper 80s was thrilled, absolutely thrilled. But what you're doing is letting people share smaller bits of writing 
personal things about their life and about their, you know, opinions, what, what's the best car and, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then they're, they're getting responses from all kinds of people. Um, and that's generating a conversation. And I'm sure that's generating memories and thoughts in all of the other people who are reading it and then, and then exactly. participating yeah. in the comments. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that you're doing that. I think it is such a, it's, it's so needed. Clearly it is. I mean, clearly you have tapped into something that was a need because you wouldn't have had that kind of massive growth had there not been, right? No, and we're, we're looking now to the U.S. market and, and we do, everything we do is almost relatable right across the world. The only stuff that isn't is the finance writing because obviously money is different in every country. But health and arthritis, it's everywhere. Um, travel, it's everywhere. Um, nostalgia, it's everywhere. Pop stars, they're everywhere. News, it's everywhere, right? So there's no need for us to be based in Australia Mm-hmm. Um, except structurally, that's where we started. Right. Um, we really look to the next phase as it needs to grow out of the grassroots of people. It needs people to send us that. And we have bloggers from the US who submit and the piece for us now is to to just keep taking steps forward in a measured and careful and sensible way um, to help people get an opportunity to speak to speak out. Some of the people in my profession do something called show and tells, which yeah. I don't know if you have that at school is your school, you know, your school children. Yeah, that's that. awesome. Right, right. And that's been really popular with all age groups. Um, and that's a way to get the community interested in telling their stories in a safe place. Um, and then, of course, as soon as you get a group of people together, like you're experiencing online, but th- this is, you know, face to face events usually, um, then you can bring one person can bring in some object and tell the story of that. And then it just sparks all kinds of memories from all of the other people that are sitting in there. Um, So that kind of thing is, you know, it's a little bit like the coffee groups that you started. It's a, it's a safe place for people to gather in person and have these, these, you know, have these connections with other people Um, or to do it online and have these connections through these, these online conversations. I'd love to do it online. I'd love to do it online. Right. Right. Well, okay. So that was, that was my question for you. So if, if we, have listeners who, um, you know, obviously this isn't exactly life story writing, but if they're interested in in helping foster that kind of community, grassroots uh, growing of a community, is there a way for them to do that with Starts at 60? Absolutely. We'll work out a way. Um, and <laughs> I yeah, that. I mean, that, that, that's a part of it is what we do. If it builds the, the vibe for the baby boomer, the, the generation that is, is working out who they are all over again, but they're working out through their memories and their hopes. And if you can talk to their memories or their hopes, you really are talking to the heart of a baby boomer. And that, that's exciting, right? Yes, it is very exciting. Yeah. Um, because this is all heart driven work. I'm sure it is for you. It definitely is for yeah. people who, who oh, do what I it. do. It's just magical. <laughs> <laughs> We're very blessed, aren't we, to get to work with this generation? Yes, we're very blessed. Exactly. Um, it, I've okay. I don't. I almost don't even want to say this, Rebecca, because I feel like I have to um, copyright it or something. But my new, my l- new little uh, logo or, or slogan, I guess, is uh, "More wrinkles, better stories." Because honestly, oh, I love that. <laughs> nobody out there steal it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really how I feel, and and I, I think I've always been. Um, 
felt very comfortable with older people uh, just because my grandma used to schlep me and my cousins and my sister to uh, the old folks home where she volunteered at. And it was just some, it was a part of regular life, you know, to, to sit yeah. with the older folks and listen to their stories. And so yeah, look at me, now I get to do it. Um, now I get to do it as, as my livelihood. And it, not Isn't that it's great. It is, it is fantastic. And not that everybody is older, but you know, most of the people are that I'm working with. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, you and I, I think, are, are probably cut from the same cloth. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's the I, most wonderful thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we would encourage people to tell stories and and to if, if if people in your industry are looking for a platform on which to tell more stories, we you know reach out. We can put you in touch. We have um, a website or an email address through which our whole community operation is built. It's called community at starts at sixty and if you write there, our team is looking after that and they are, we're constantly looking for stories to tell about the communities, to bring nostalgia to the fore. Nostalgia is, is probably 30% of what our blogging is. The others are travel blogs and, um, and simply normalization blogs about life and society today. Um, and then there's also a whole lot of op-ed or opinion, which people love to write. Um, so that, that whole, how would you tell your story on our platform? We would love that. What we do find, though, is the other side of it, is that this generation has never been um, more self-oriented. And that this is a really interesting observation for when, you, when somebody wants to write for a digital platform, is that people are interested in how the story relates to themselves. They're less interested in the story that the other person has to tell about themselves. Does that make sense? Wait, so you mean that the reader is more interested in how um, they're... How it applies to their own life. Right. They're normalizing with the story mm -hmm. rather than wanting to hear the blow-by-blow -blow destination trip to go and do. The, the purpose of storytelling in this generation that we use and that we see is that people want to take a kernel away. It's, often, it's, it's very similar to what happens in younger generations in content marketing and in content curation for younger generations. Um, and it's interesting to see the shift from writing a, or, or in digital, the interest in um, what do, what's in this for me. Mm. They're looking for something in every story. And it's, it's a little bit of what we've learned to curate too, is that there's got to be value in this story for you. Um, which might be the nostalgic moment. It might be the laugh we have together about this thing. But if if it's all about me, the writer, the person reading it doesn't tend to find something in it for themselves. And so you have to find this really interesting way of constructing stories that takes that into consideration. Right. I I can see that because it, it seems like, well, even with the kind of stories that I'm helping people do, it's um, it's a way of, and the show and tells that I was talking about, it's a way of building connection. So it's almost like, you know, building your net. And, um, and even though somebody else, the, the listener or the person that you're in conversation with has not had the exact kind of experience, it touches off memories of experiences that were similar. So it's, it's kind of going down into what are the universals 
um, you know, that, that make life important. Are you, um, you think that the younger generation, so the one who, the ones who are now growing up on content marketing, um, there's a similarity between them and what you're finding with your readers, uh, but maybe it's not something that's the generation in between shares? What you're finding more is that the self-orientation of this generation is arriving. Well, you used to see quite a selfless generation, but this, you know, and I could I could relate the mindsets of my relatives, of, of many people who've responded to surveys and, and data points. This is their turn. It's their turn. Mm-hmm. The 60-year-old today, they've raised their children. They've taken society's responsibilities. They've worked all their life. They've paid their taxes. They've done all of the responsible years of recession and GFC and do you know what? They don't want to put it off any longer. They don't want to wait. They don't want to read about other people doing it. They want to do it themselves. So every time they read something, there has to be something in it for them. And you really see in everything, every product we list, every solution we write about, everything, people will only read it if there's something in it for them. Every blog that goes up, if the blog is just about the writer and doesn't talk to the community about something for the community, if it doesn't, um, you know, nice stories about older people don't always travel on the internet. Mm. Nice stories that people can relate to travel on the internet. And that's the difference in, um, in I guess, putting yourself in the story but allowing the other person to be in the story as well as you're writing it. Um, and I think that that in telling stories the way you guys do, it, it may be helpful insight to know just what does you know, when you're writing it for family or community, it's different. You've got a devoted reader, somebody who has purpose in reading it because they have self-alignment with that story. This is my grandmother. This is my aunt. She has history in my family. Therefore, I want to read it. But once you go out into the mass world and you don't have that connection with the writer, you have to feel that this writer has something in common with you or you won't read it. Uh, this person likes cars. I like cars. Therefore, I should read this blog, right? There, there, there has to be something um that you find aligned with you um because they're not your family and that's the difference between social media because social media is all built off people you know once you're moving into media media you're no longer working with people you know you're working with affinity right right and and this this just um proves your point because when i was looking through some of the the blog section i think i forget what you call it i think it's from the community or in the community on your website you have a tab yeah and and i was reading through some of the blogs and the one that caught my eye it was oh my gosh rebecca was the sweetest story and it was about a woman who's uh an older woman there was a picture of her so i don't know how old she was but you know yeah. Definitely elderly. And her adult son had, uh, she she described how he fixed her up. He came to her and said, look, I think you need a companion. So he fixed her up on a date. <laughs> He's driving her and I'm thinking, oh, this, and you know, I'm single. So of course I'm, you know, you're talking about <laughs> See, affinity, you, so <laughs> you found something with affinity in it, right? It's and another I, world, <laughs> And I, I, 
Well, okay, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell everybody out here. It gets a little odd because all of a sudden, you know, she's meeting this person for the first time, but um, he's off playing with some children in a park and you're thinking, huh, this is odd, but he doesn't, he doesn't smell bad. And then at one point in the blog, it says, um, and we brought, we brought him home to show him where he would be sleeping. And I thought, Dang, they move fast because it was taking me a while to catch on. Of course, it was about a dog. So <laughs> it was so sweet. <laughs> yeah, very, very adorable. And I love the fact that you um, that you have editors that go through these because I mean, face it, there's so much online that you can tell is not edited. There is so much self published stuff that is not edited at all. And um, the fact that you are uh, showing enough respect for the submissions to clean them up so that they are worthy of you know, and I don't mean worthy exactly, but th- those little mistakes can can really wreck a reading experience. And you're making Look, sure that important. that's not happening. Look, it's important both for our positioning in the market that um, we are a place people want to come to leisure read that type of content, that they will come back and that they will respect us as a as a media platform because it requires editing and polishing to be that good. It's also important that we we attract the best advertisers in the market so that you can trust our environment. It, it's important all round for the bloggers that they are represented in the absolute best way they can be um, so that they enjoy the feedback they get, not somebody typing back because this is a very fastidious generation of people who did learn their grammar correctly. Um, so if there is spelling errors, often people pick out the spelling errors, not read the story, and, no, and that's right. just belittling. Um, and so, you know, it's a combination of all of those things where we want to be the best we can be, and, and that's the best way of doing it. So. Well, well done. Yes. Okay. I, I want to I want to shift gears just a little bit, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to speak to this or not because obviously you run a really big company right now. But you started small, like you said, you had a forty dollar, I guess, website oh, template. Yeah. Right. So, um, and and when I first got into my business, and this was close to ten years ago, um, the prevailing thought was, you know, don't bother with online because our clients are not looking for us online. And by clients, I mean the, the adult children who might hire a life story professional or the storytellers themselves. So basically, it's pretty much like 60 and up. So the adult children would be maybe in their 50s, but often in their 60s. And then the storytellers are, are most likely 60 or older. And, you know, 10 years ago, people were thinking, no, you're not going to find them through Facebook. You're not going to find, you know, have a website just to show that you are legit. Um, but now it seems like, in, especially in the past year or two, maybe I am definitely getting more inquiries from, well, a little bit from Facebook, even though I do nothing with my Facebook page, um, and definitely from, from the website. So, um, it, as as somebody who's coming from this from a marketing background like you had and who has really owned the digital space for this market do you have any advice to give to somebody who is a solo practitioner and um on on how to utilize digital and social media for growing a um it, growing awareness in the community because that's really the the biggest hurdle that we have people don't know we're out here to help them Absolutely. Um, the reality of, um, of of speaking to this generation is that more than 75% of them are online um, now. 
and their children are definitely online. Like anybody under 60, you would have a 90% digital participation right now. Um, 50% of the generation is using Facebook over the age of 60. So you you just have no excuse to not use the online environment anymore. 90% of them will research online before they make a major purchase. Um, their children are even more significant. They will judge you on whether you are on the internet. Um, a Squarespace website will cost you 20 bucks a month. So please don't, don't hold back on getting a website. You don't need to spend a lot of money with a web developer. Just get get some help from Upwork and go build yourself a website if you need, spend a few hundred dollars on somebody offshore to build you a website and get a social media page and tell your stories. And the best way to build a customer base is every time you have a customer to ask them if you can share one of their little tidbits or a quote from their history on your wall. Um, I, I would encourage oh, you. on your Facebook wall, you Absolutely. Mean. Real oh, people I are the best testimonial you could ever have. And not even about you. Have them share it about themselves. It's social proof. Um, And and social proof that you're doing things with people that look like them is exactly what social media is for. Um, So I simply wouldn't hold back from any type of digital activity. Uh, I don't touch, I don't, you know, think, I think things like Snapchat and Instagram are a bit of a waste of time. And if you're not using Facebook and Google and don't have a website yet, just go and fix those boxes because those are just mandatory ticks for running any type of business for any generation today. And have an inquiry form because I can tell you now, more people will Google you um, before and if you don't exist online, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, if you don't exist online, people won't trust that you're running a viable business. Um, that's just right. something everybody, and, and I used to be a marketer, so um, I used to coach businesses that were marketing, and, and the first thing that people will do is Google. The second thing they would do is ask their friends who they used, right? right? Or if they've already heard that their friend has used you, that will be the first point of reference. The second point will be they will Google you to check out whether you are professional in your approach. It doesn't cost much to look professional in this day and age anymore. When you say an inquiry form, do you mean a form that they fill out uh, just uh, send you to an send email a message to say to they're you? inquiring? Yeah. And okay. it'll be in a yeah. standard website setup. You just need a page on a contact us page on your website. So that right. when you, and then you can put some ads up on Google. If you have a local suburb that you want to promote in, you can go and spend $50 a month on Google ads in your demographic, in your target area where you can attract customers to you, but you've got yeah. to point them to a website. It's it's an exciting time to live in because there are all of these venues that are available to us. I've done some print advertising and it's done pretty well, um, but you're plunking down an awful lot of money for you know maybe one appearance or two appearance in in a, in a print publication. But like you said, um, it's it can be relatively inexpensive to do the online stuff and. It's yeah, it, it's a little scary, I have to say, because I don't know much. I, I don't know. I I built my own website and I have two websites and I know how to do that. But then, you you know, it's learning a whole new um, slew of things to do Google AdWords and, and things like that. Yeah. But I'm sure there's people out there to help us too. There is. But the, the other thing to remember is um, I, I started out never having done any of those things, right? And the best thing to do is to learn it at your own pace because when you go to suppliers, you need to know a little bit about it. If you want to get bigger and go faster, yes, you're fine. But if you're running a small business, the best thing to do is to put $50 in a budget and try. Read all you can Mm -hmm. about it, set it up well, and then 
see what it tells you with the data that comes back because if it's working you'll know and if it's not working you'll know too and you won't have burned out your life savings um it, it is digital is a very powerful way to market your business and it's something that um once you learn the core tenements of it it it's really I guess, versatile, how you can turn it on and off. You might go on holidays for a month and you can turn off all your spending because you don't want to attract any leads while you're on holidays, right? The, the ability to run a small business that way um, is really powerful. So, Yeah, thank um, you for that. I, that's, that's good for us to all hear because it's not something that, we get, that we've talked about very much, I think, or at least uh, we used to have an association of personal historians, and there was lots of really good advice on how to market ourselves, but um, I don't remember hearing all that much about, about marketing ourselves uh, in, the, in the digital world. Look, it's, it's, a, um, it's an area where increasingly there's lots and lots of service providers online that can help you, but some of it is just simple essentials. You need a website, you need a Facebook page. Each of those are fairly easy to work through doing for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can use Canva to make your graphics, so you don't need a graphic designer. You know, there's some simple ways to succeed um, in setting up your business if you want, or you can just go to somewhere simple like Upwork and get somebody to help you set all those things up for a a small rate. Um, and then once you've got them, you can just run them. Um, right. But, yeah, it, it's it's just an essential part of speaking to the world about what you do nowadays. Right. right. So, and that's what it's all about, yeah. letting, letting people know that we are here to help them. Yeah. That's right. That's right. History is such a valuable part of the future. It's, oh, my gosh. I love it. Okay. I'm stealing that one. <laughs> you can use my um, more smiles, uh, better <laughs> stories. <laughs> yeah. More wrinkles. Yeah, better stories. Uh, right. Well, Rebecca, this this was a delight. Um, I really appreciate you talking to us. And so I will make sure to put links to where you said that we can send if people have submissions. Please, community at starts at 60.com.au. Um, and, and we would welcome people who are interested in telling stories Um you know, opinion articles, um, nostalgia, travel stories. We love, um, we're really looking for people with a bit of a journalistic streak that just, they want a hobby right, but they want to know that people are going to read it. Um, And that, that, you know, there's no commitment to having to do it regularly, but we do put you inside a group of other people like you that also participate and then it becomes very social as well. Um, so it's quite good fun, you know, and we teach you our our editor in blogging. She puts out a little lesson a week on things you can learn about blogging for others and, you know, that, and then we have some little prizes every week too, some little cash prizes that are, um, designed to inspire people to, to put a blog up and, um, people love that. Well, fun. Yeah. And I think it's a great way to share if, if we're doing stories for people anyhow, and they love sharing them with their families, it would, it's probably a real thrill for them to see their name uh, on a blog. A byline. Or, you know, a byline. A, on, they yeah, become, exactly. they become a byline <laughs> blogger, all right? Yeah. I think what that's they, all about, yeah. right? That's a, that is very exciting. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can have a byline on our site. You can effectively write a column on there and you can pick a theme and write a column and, and it can become something you submit monthly or weekly. If you're a funny writer, I mean, we've had some fantastic comedians who would write about how their boobs changed over the years. Oh. All, all sorts of great things, right? All you got to do is have an angle that somebody wants to read and and that all of a sudden you've got this spark and the spark is just, it's, it's magical. 
Well, okay. And last question. If anybody is interested in starting a coffee group through the Starts at 60, but here in the States or uh, from a different country that might be listening, but particularly here in the States, how do they go about doing that? Yes, they write to us at events at starts at 60.com. And the team there or or to community will find our way between each other Um, and just express your interest. And all we need you to do is find a local coffee shop near you and drag a few friends in. That's really what it is. And once it starts, it starts all on its own. They might start as two or three people, but then you can put little signs up and all of a sudden people start to come along. I love that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for these ideas and and for being out there supporting this community. Oh, we love it. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, Rebecca. Will you take care and good luck with all of the the future growth? Thank you. Thank you again soon. Bye-bye. And that does it for this week's interview. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Story Coach podcast. You can rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments or suggestions for future episodes, use the comments section on today's show notes at episode 60 on thelifestorycoach.com, or you can shoot me a message at amy at thelifestorycoach.com. It gets a little lonely behind this microphone, so I appreciate all the feedback that I can get. And don't forget, all the links that I mentioned are in today's show notes. Thanks again, and until next time, go out and save someone's story.